calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bitches on Comics, the podcast geared toward making comics more welcoming to LGBTQ folks and women readers. And me. And Sarah. And Essie. We have a question from Ashley. What was your first experience in discovering superheroes, and why do you think you were drawn to them? Mm. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. All these years later... I talked a little bit before about my introduction to comic books and my introduction to superheroes is just a little bit different because I was a child of the 80s and therefore I was around just kind of those early years of it becoming kind of more multimedia, which means that the first time I saw superheroes that I remember was probably, you know, some bad Spider-Man thing that didn't stick with me because there was a Spider-Man movie and all of that kind of stuff. I'm sure I must have seen that. I remember the Supergirl movie from 1984 starring Faye Dunaway. (laughs) I had to think for a second. As Selina, who was a very fabulous witch. I remember really liking that. But the thing that just absolutely blew my whole mind was... The Pride of the X-Men cartoon, which I saw, I must have been, you know, eight years old whenever I saw it. So everybody now, if you talk about the Pride of the X-Men cartoon, basically what we're talking about is the pilot for the animated series, but then the animated series didn't happen until like four years later. (laughs) Much like comics, really. (laughs) There was one off episode and then four years later, they decided to do it for real. You know what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just... (laughs) Screw it. Let's do it. (laughs) So the first one, a lot of people are going to look back on Pride of the X-Men and just be very unforgiving. And it is objectively bad. But (laughs) but I was eight, you know, so you've got to forgive me. And I fell absolutely in love with those characters. The first character I believe that I fell in love with was Storm because she (laughs) does her regal stand in the background kind of thing that they have her do throughout like the entire cinematic universe (laughs) and all of... (laughs) You know, a lot of times when people don't get Storm, basically, they just have her regal background, tall hair situation. Oh, make it cloudy now. Loved Ah. it. I mean, I'm I'm there for it. I'm there for any Storm, pretty much. 
Nightcrawler <laughs> is in that one with his very over-the-top German accent. <laughs> Kitty Pride, of course, because she's the pride of the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> is it spelled with a Y? It the, is spelled with a Y. In my heart, it's spelled with an I. <laughs> in Kitty's heart, it's spelled with an I. Yeah. For we all know her to be the most famous of non-famous bisexuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she should marry Rachel Summers. I just had to get it out. Anyway, Pride of the X-Men also has Australian Wolverine. So yeah, I'm not going to say it's good. I didn't say it was good. But I did want to say that it just completely stuck in my mind in the way that I saw it one time, Saturday morning cartoons. And for years, I was, what happened with the X-Men? Why won't anybody tell me? Where are they? (laughs) And of course, then, you know, a couple years later, you see a comic book on a comic stand. Oh my God, they've been in comics this whole time. Are you serious? And that's whenever one thing led to the other. I saw a storm in the cartoon and on the comic and I read the comic and fell in love with the comics. But that was how I discovered superheroes as something that I was extremely interested in. And it is no small irony that it had pride in the title. <laughs> and so was you- about Kitty Pride. <laughs> so be a little more explicit. Why do you think you were drawn to them? Gay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's the word. X-Men gay. X-Men gay. The first superhero I ever saw was Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Played by Linda Carter. Right, yeah. And I loved her and didn't relate to her. Mm -hmm. Like, she was so super femme in this way that never felt like home to me. But I love that she was really powerful and that spin she would do. Right now, all I can picture is her doing that spin, her throwing that lasso, and then her sitting in an invisible plane. And the theme song. Oh my god, the theme song! (laughs) Wonder Woman! It was more like my parents' superhero. They were the ones watching it, and I happened to be there. But similarly... For me, it was actually the X-Men, the animated series. Mm-hmm. So not the pilot. I've never seen the pilot. Now I'm like, I didn't know there was a pilot so that like, good. isn't connected. <laughs> I mean, not good. I've already said that it's good, not good. Good, but good in the bad way. Good for you to watch. <laughs> I will watch it and I will feel completed. I cannot believe that Wolverine was Australian in it. That feels like a foreshadowing of Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, which I think is pretty cool, but not an idea you can do anything with. It's just oh, I'm like, sure that it was intentional. <laughs> Hundred percent. They were like, we want to go old school with this. (laughs) But I remember those opening credits from the animated series and just the way Wolverine's jumping here and Jubilee's sparking there and Storm is bringing like the world to an end. It was so beautiful and overwhelming. The pacing of it's really intense too. Right. The the song too is, what is it? The X-Men theme is the same as Whitney Houston's I'm Your Baby Tonight. Genuinely Google it. It is so wild and if someone wanted to put the x-men opening credits to that song and send it to me that would be fantastic i don't have those skills so i'll just think about it at night so for very similar reasons to you sarah i was drawn to the x-men also it was like this thing where where i grew up it was not cool to be nerdy i know that i have a very common experience to lots of people i'm not saying i was the only person but there was like a certain way that Liking school made you such an outsider. And I love school. (laughs) I love books. I love reading. I love discussing things. And so I always felt really on the edge of my circle of humans I interacted with. And I went to school with the same people from first grade through 12. 
all the same people. One guy moved there in like seventh grade. You know, I grew up in like a not very stable household. And I lived in a small town, so everyone kind of knew that. So then there's like kind of whispers when you're around. So it felt kind of like having this power <laughs> that scared people mm-hmm. and also was like not something I could control very well. And not something you could really talk about. Exactly. I have been queer since I hopped out of the womb, but I don't think I would have had that name for what was happening. I felt just more like I didn't have people I cared about around me in school. And so then all these like nerds, essentially, except for Wolverine, get to go to nerd school and do nerdy things with a professor who should not be in charge of anyone, but who has a very dear place in my heart personally. Instead of their curiosity being a deficit, which is how I felt, I felt like I was constantly told, like, why do you ask so many questions? Stop asking so many questions. Like, they were like detectives with their curiosity and they were helping people and they were teaching Jubilee how to use her powers. And it just felt like I had something that I hadn't had before. And then as I started to come out, I started to feel those valences differently, where suddenly I was like, oh my God, this superhero queer thing is is not just mine. There's a whole story arc in Queer as Folk where the main character creates a gay superhero who's just takes the subtext and makes it text. It's like super graphic. So if you're into graphic gay sex, maybe don't watch Queer as Folk, but also don't listen to my podcast because what are you doing with your life? And this is the it's graphic amazing. gay sex podcast. <laughs> That's our other podcast we're starting. <laughs> graphic gay sex podcast. What do you think it is? Just sounds of gay sex? (laughs) Anyways. um, (laughs) Commentary on form, I guess. (laughs) You can tell that she's really putting her back into this one, you know? I think it's so cool that we both had that that connection point, even if it's like at different places. Mm -hmm. But it would take me probably another 20 years before I actually read a comic about the Mm X-Men. I was really into the first movie when it came out because again, it was like very cool. So I was in Spanish class and I wrote this whole, I didn't know at the time this is what I was doing, but I wrote this fan fiction Mm -hmm. about Wolverine and I falling in love. (laughs) And so I will never forget the word for supernatural in Spanish, which is like (laughs) sobrenatural. Um, And so I was very, I think it got kind of graphic and my teacher was like, you can't can't read that in class anymore. <laughs> I was like, por qué? Um, and the K was because it's graphic and it belongs on our podcast, our other podcast. Um, but it's interesting. I think that that sort of metaphor of queerness, you know, a lot of the early comic book creators were Jewish and it was a lot about also having that sort of dual identity and how do you be an American and Jewish and mm-hmm. in a time when like that was created as if they were antithetical to one another. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's interesting how I felt about it, how you felt about it was absolutely the same thing, but with queerness. Yeah, and also the X-Men are just hella gay. Like oh God, so The bad. whole thing with X-Men bringing in a lot of queer readers has been discussed, rediscussed, is discussed every day on my Twitter. Not just by me. Mostly by Sarah, though. Mostly by me. <laughs> <laughs> I am an advocate for the advocacy of queer X-Men. <laughs> And Katie Pride should marry Rachel Summers. That is the hill we will die on. Thank you. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. 
Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. of the week this week is Bombshells, written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Marguerite Savage, Ming Doyle, and several other artists. This is our favorite comic, Bombshells! (laughs) We love it! It's so good! Everything about it is so good. Oh, God. Okay, I started reading it because I was reading Marguerite Bennett's Batwoman. Yes. And then I was like, I just want to read everything by Marguerite Bennett. Yes. And so I got all the trade paperbacks from the library mm-hmm. and just like plowed through them. Mm-hmm. So then when I told you, I was like, I've been reading Bombshells. How do you describe Bombshells to people? Bisexual the comic. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a comic that was just pure, unadulterated bisexual energy, mm-hmm. that's essentially what Bombshells yep. is. It's literally the bisexual universe. Yeah. It's the alternate reality bisexual style. Did you ever wonder what it would be like if Diana and Mira kissed? They did. They did. They loved each other. Do you ever wonder what Batwoman and Catwoman's relationship would be like? Tense. Charged. Erotic. <laughs> uh, do you ever wonder... <laughs> Okay, Sarah just got a naughty look on her face. (laughs) What would happen if Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn were still in a relationship, but it was written better? Mm, Beautiful. Do you ever wonder if John Constantine could actually be a supportive partner? To Zatanna, which is just amazing. Remarkable. Almost always been pretty opposed to that pairing. Oh, no, he did not deserve her. Yeah, and in this one, it's kind of perplexing because it's almost like he really does deserve her. Yeah, he's very gentle. He's, like, aware of his own wounds. He's not like, my shit's your shit, which is, like, John's MO. It's interesting that one scene where Zatanna is kind of— she needs comfort, and so she's kind of initiating with him. And he says, "Not here. You deserve better than that. And you're uh, going to get it." And all of that. And, and he you're just, just wraps like, her in his arms. And it's he's just, just like, like, "What? You, John Constantine, out of all John? people, 
just refuse to sleep with a person in a terrible and precarious situation. It's like, mm. this is some kind of emotional growth that I've never seen from you. Oh, it's beautiful. It's great. I mean, what's fantastic about it is it's about women. It's all about women. It's yeah. about all the female DC heroes basically queered. Amanda Waller. World War II. Yes. Amanda Waller's, you know, she's Amanda Waller. And she's recruiting this team of bombshells is what they call them. And they're, mm-hmm. like, they're all busty, small-waisted heroes. Nazi like, haters. Oh, and they're so fun. And Harley Quinn just straight up <sighs> mows down a bunch of Nazis with a machine gun, which is amazing. And, and she's like, I feel great about this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there is only great moments. The I'll say the one downside of this comic was I didn't love Duella Dent. I really love her as a character and in that she's kind of a terrible Nazi. It's an alternate reality, so I can get behind it sort of. But at the same time, I always really loved the Joker's daughter. I was going to say, she's the Joker's daughter, right? Yeah. and that was She's kind of, pretty awful in this. So she's super awful. And in the comics, I always felt like she didn't really get her due. And I thought that this was one of those times where it was like, you could have just used a you know regular faceless Nazi character and given us a better Duella Dent. And that would have been better. But okay, whatever, I guess. You know, Duella Dent never gets any screen time. So I can understand why this choice was made, I guess. And it also, I'm not as connected with that character. Uh-huh. So, but I think they they did an interesting job of setting her up as the kind of villain that manipulates young women. Yeah, that I, was, that had a lot of relevance to abusive queer mentorships absolutely. and things like that. That was just a very kind of chilling take. Yeah. She is manipulating both Raven and Zatanna and Constantine at one point. She also has under her thumb. And just for kicks is able to just manipulate and hurt people in these really intense ways whenever she's like, yeah, you you were really in love with her, weren't you, Zatanna? And then she's like, ha ha, I am her. (laughs) Yes. That was so brutal because, God, Zatanna really doesn't deserve that. No. You know, it was nice that actually John Constantine was able to be there for her in this storyline. There's just Bombshells is literally like one my of the favorite best Shazam. comics. If, my favorite Shazam. Yeah, so good. It's like a young Jewish girl. Yeah, Mary who Marvel, is trying yeah. to protect her friends and family. Yeah, and like Shazam always is, you know, mm-hmm. she just thinks of it and says Shazam, and then she transfers into Shazam. Yeah, and it is just so beautiful. She makes herself super huge and carries everyone to safety mm-hmm. and. It's like this beautiful, like you said, alternate history of World War II where all these heroes who have been throughout their histories, like marginalized, fridged, what have you, they're all these versions of themselves that never had that happen. Yeah. And so there's this, also a sort of a, an innocence. An innocence, but also a catharsis yes. of things that have been lost. Yes. And just the best takes on so many of these characters. Mira is obviously the best Mira oh. that we've ever seen. She has her full arrogance. She's completely passionate and heartful all of the time. She is royalty without being condescending. She's very just brilliant one-liners through the entire thing. I love the part where she walks up to Steve Trevor and is just like, well, I was her first kiss, I'll have you know, about Diana Prince and tells the whole story. And Steve is just kind of smirking like, cool, cool. You know? He's like, I, I know, she told me. Yeah, <laughs> she talks about it. It comes up, trust me. It comes up a lot in yes. certain moments. Yes. It. Yeah, it feels like there's this, presumed queerness. Yeah. You just assume every character is going to be in a queer relationship. There's queerness that pops up out of nowhere. It seems like the whole Barda and uh, Dr. Light. Oh, they're so sweet together. Oh my God, they're so sweet together. And then 
as much as I've always shipped Carly and Ivy, this take on their relationship is the essential take. This is the best that they could be. They're so cute and tender and and giving and and all of the things that you would want out of the best ship you've ever heard. They have sex. Yeah. You get to see them in bed and you get to see them talk about about to be in bed and they kiss and they wear cute clothes and they are just, oh, they're everything. There's things that they say to each other where I'm like, damn, I really got off Tinder too quick. I should like, did I give, did I give up on love too soon? You might have. (laughs) You might have. Thank you for telling me this comic book that I read. Also, yeah, it's oh, I want people to talk to me like these characters talk to each oh, other. Any of them. They're all just so heartful and flirty, <laughs> like all yeah, of the time. Yeah. I think that the Kate Kane in this one is, I like the Batwoman series take on Kate Kane more. The Kate Kane in this is good, you know? But she, she feels, to me, it feels like a completely different character. It is different in a lot of ways. It's still really good. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love great. this Kate Kane. I just don't think of her as, like, Gotham's Kate Kane. Because it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I love that she carries a bat. The bat thing like, is that's, really funny. That's hysterical. Like, yeah. that's why she's Batwoman. Yeah. I learned, and you told me you had known this, these were all based off of collectible figurines. Yeah. They made these bombshell figurines. And it was just, I believe that the initial incarnation of this was in a web serial, which I think was even before DC Universe happened. So they were kind of dipping their toe in because there was Sensation Comics. There was a few. There was a Supergirl that was based on the Supergirl CW series universe. All of those were really good. But this was just mind-blowingly good. You read it back and it's just unbelievable, honestly. It's one of the best comics I've ever read. It's really wordy, which mm-hmm. I think we both like. I also like the flashbacks wordy, all of the time. so sweet. I love the flashbacks. And then like Batwoman is no longer in Gotham. So mm-hmm. like these, all the sidekicks team up. There's a young trans woman. There's everybody's queer. It's just, oh, it just is so Fucking cute. And the idea of a group of Batgirls was really fascinating and new, and I loved that idea. And Robin is not called Robin. Yeah. He's called a Batgirl. Yeah. And that's because they're a team. And it's, it's so cute. Oh, I frequently felt like I was reading something about the resilience of people mm-hmm. in the face of, like, real horrors. And... Obviously, you know, we love to think about Nazis as a society. We should probably get over that. They're all over comics. Yeah, Hellboy, Captain America, Hydra. And Nazi revisionism is all over the place, too. And normally that is not my thing. But I think here it was actually interestingly done and worked. Yeah. In a way it almost never does. Totally. Oh, there's one pairing we didn't talk about that I feel like we have to label, which is Amaya, who is Vixen in Zambezi. And then she's queen, obviously. Mm-hmm. And her jester, her, oh, I can't even remember all the titles. Just all these silly, sweet things is Hawk Girl. Yeah. And they are just madly in love. It's so good. It That's is such a so good pairing. Cute. And and Hawk Girl's like a really cool incarnation. Very stylized, mm-hmm. very like old flight technology. And right. Didn't know she was from a different blah, blah, blah. And it just plays out so cute. Stargirl and Supergirl, Oh, such a beautiful sister story, so good. Pretty much you can't go wrong with this. As good as any person has ever said it is, it's actually better. Better, definitely. Best Mira. Best Mira. You're never going to find a better Mira. 
I think the dudes are the best versions of themselves. Always, yeah. Which is beautiful. It's, like, so nice to see. Yeah, they're very supportive of the women, and the story is about the women always, even when the men are in it. (laughs) And that's great to see once in our goddamned lives, (laughs) for the love of God. (laughs) Just what this series gets away with, I almost want to have a long conversation with Marguerite Bennett and just be like, so what the heck? Because I have no idea how you got a page in where Poison Ivy is talking about getting tied up by Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn just like grins at her. That is so, so spicy and was just like, oh my God, am I actually reading this comic? Is this in a comic? This is bonkers. It's like like, everything they danced around for years and years and years and we've seen only in subtext is just on the page here and you don't have to think about it. (laughs) It just is on the page. Yeah. You don't have to read between lines or or be like, oh, I wonder what happened between this panel and this panel. It's like, it's right there. And you actually see a lot more of Batwoman's sexuality than you normally do. And that's, I mean, until later when (laughs) Marguerite Bennett wrote the series, I just was blown away by the series. It's so delightful to read. I go back to it again and again. I read it whenever it was first coming out because Twitter, of course, was, can you believe that this is in a page, like in a comic? This is bonkers. I love that, you know, the villains are all women too. Yeah. And I think that that is really important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have a desire to make characters who've been underrepresented in the past only the good people. Yeah. And that's really important, actually, that you know, Baroness Von Jerkface yeah. is, you know, a woman who says, I want to be with the Reich mm-hmm. because I want the Messira. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God. You're the worst, but also you're Wonder Woman's a gonna kick your ass. lady and you are doing the things that we normally blame all the men for. <laughs> exactly. And I think that we have a really revisionist history of what happened during the Third Reich. Yes. And we don't hold women accountable for their role. Almost ever in any situation. Like, uh, whenever I mean, it comes to white women and their active role in fascism. But what I just remembered while you were talking is that panel that comes out of freaking nowhere where a wave comes up and a shark comes flying out of it and chomps the villain. Oh, yeah. And that's just like the solution to that problem that day yeah. is a <laughs> random wave comes at him, a shark flies out of it and eats him. And it's just one panel. And if you could solve your problems like that, would you not? Oh, whew, yeah. Wow. Check. <laughs> All right, Mira. <laughs> You're not listening to what I'm saying. Have a shark. <laughs> that this was will make bonkers. my point. <laughs> that was because I feel like that indicates a lot of the randomness of some of these stories where you can tell that she's just like, why don't I just have like a shark fly at him and eat him? <laughs> yeah, like the way Swamp Thing shows up is just like random aff. Some it's kind like, of Swamp Thing. <laughs> oh no, we need help. Ah, Swamp Thing is here. But like it, it makes sense in the narrative. I, yeah. I don't I'm saying it like it's flip, but I but it's actually really it makes it makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's the just also randomness like unexpected. of it is excellent because it is such pure comic energy. Ugh. And also you would never have thought to put that in that no, part of the story. No. I think it's so you're right. It has that comic book energy. That's such a great way of describing it. Mm-hmm. But it's done relentlessly queer, relentlessly feminist, relentlessly hilarious. It is just such a fun read. I have so many screenshots of Mira on my phone. (laughs) 
it's actually becoming a problem. We did talk about poison ivy, but there's one part we didn't talk about that my partner really loves, and if I didn't, they would be devastated. Same. I love poison ivy so poison much. Poison ivy and this is so good in Honestly, this. one of the best takes on her. Well, and she has this moment where she is— she ends up in Leningrad, and the Russians are starving their people, yeah. right, to control and et cetera. And she just starts planting seeds. Boom, boom. She's walking and talking, planting seeds. By the end of the series of panels of her story, she has built a food forest around her. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, this is something I won't allow to happen. I'm going to take responsibility for this. I just got chills saying that. I know. It's, it's such so- a great scene. You get this sense that nobody's been fucking listening to Poison Ivy. Yeah. No one's been, not writers, not artists, not executives, not audiences. Mm -hmm. She's been saying this thing. And now Marguerite Bennett gets it and puts it on the page and it says, look at it. Mm -hmm. This is Poison Ivy. And she gets that what we really want to see out of Harley is somebody who just dotes on Poison Ivy. Oh, she just loves her. It's so good to watch her just smile at Poison Ivy and follow her around and have this just awe of her. That's how I think we would all feel (laughs) if we were in a room with her. And it's also what we want out of her because we've seen that be a really negative trait in Harley, but seeing it be in this context and be such a positive thing and see her her be with somebody who is reciprocating and taking care of her also, them taking care of each other is just such a beautiful part of the story. What I see in it that I think is so often missing for Harley too is that Poison Ivy never calls her crazy. Poison Ivy never tells her her ideas are stupid. Poison Ivy never denigrates or belittles her. Even when she thinks that Harley's going to get back with the Joker, Mm -hmm. Poison Ivy has her damn back. Yeah, and that scene too, I remember my favorite part, I guess I have a lot of favorite parts, (laughs) but my favorite part between them was whenever Harley says, oh, well, you shouldn't have chosen a girl who blah, 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 and then Poison Ivy just kind of smiles and she's like, oh, I've chosen a girl, have I? And I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) No, they're so in love kiss already. And then they do. And then they do. And they do it again. And then they kiss multiple times in the series. It's so good. Everybody just go out and read this comic. It's the best comic. questions or bitches on comics or if you're a comic creator and want to send us copies of your work please email us at bitches on comics at gmail.com b.t.c.h.e.s.o.n.c.o.m.i.c.s at gmail.com gmail does not like the word bitch so make sure you leave the i out otherwise we won't get your email remember there is no i in bitch If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash bitchesoncomics, where we have exclusive content. I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at essiefleenor.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can learn more about me at www.sarahcentury.com. Music provided by Earth Control Pill, which you can find at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded and edited by Kate Warner. Learn more about Kate and her band, Churchfire, at churchfiremusic.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.